Shabbat Shalom, friends. This week we'll have a, an unusual treat in the uh, energy that is going to be supplied by the reading, by our participation in the reading of this section known as Vayetze. I personally am so pleased and content with this section because it provides the credibility for our presentation of Zoric con concepts which go far and deep into the 30th century. Forget about the 25th century, into the 30th century, and that's why, of course, the center has been the spearhead of innovation that has trickled down into the scientific world by virtue of our consciousness, the consciousness of, of understanding that there is something on a very practical, physical basis, something known as immortality, uh, something that uh, we this year have, have uh, chosen as our goal the removal of that ultimate threat and chaos causing discipline, doctrine known as time, space, and motion. And so I therefore refer to the beginning of the section in which it says, and Joseph had a dream and he saw a ladder going up, angel going up the ladder, down the ladder, going up the ladder, down the ladder. And God is present in this dream. And he says that I am the Lord, your Lord of your father Abraham, God of Isaac, and the land that you lie upon her I shall give this land to your children, to you and to your children. And of course, all commentators raise the obvious question. I mean, God, how, how much space does a person or Yaakov occupy in, and therefore the God promising Jacob that he will inherit this land. I mean, the land is what? Jacob was six feet tall, 20 feet tall, and the width of five, five feet. I mean, we're talking about a very small dimension, and yet, and yet, this is what he's promising. The land that you lie upon her. And so Rashi, the foremost commentator on Humash as well as the Zohar, in raising that question, Rashi answers something so simple. And yet, I guess, 
for those who don't question, those who are not inquisitive, those who are not of the Kabbalistic frame of consciousness where we accept nothing because we understand that by virtue of of the the uh, the verses and the letters that are mentioned, there is a much greater, more significant hidden meaning within within the words, within within every verse of of Torah, and that we cannot treat it in a literal sense. And so, what does Rashi answer? What God did was roll up the whole land of Israel. You know, like a scroll, like you. It's very broad, very long. If you stretch it out, probably can reach almost, oh, maybe six, seven hundred feet. But he rolled up the entire land of Israel like a scroll. And then when it became all rolled up, it fitted into that area where Jacob was lying. So... There we've got our answer. Rolled up the land of Israel, and this is what I have promised I will give you. It's all there. Oh, it's rolled up, but it's all there. And of course, this is so simple. As we always have been told by the traditionalists, you know, Rashi is the thing that one most one must study before even embarks on the study of Kabbalah, and we know that that is such a mystery representation of the truth because Rashi, because of its simplicity, is so profound, so deep, that without Zohar, difficult to understand even Rashi. What did Rashi mean here? And so from here emerges another aspect of credibility towards the center's idea, which of course originated in Zohar, that the idea of time, space, and motion is but an illusion. And we have undertaken that, that goal of undoing this concept of the limitations of time, space, and motion that we must be governed by these limitations. And so the center has decided this is the year that hopefully with the critical mass that is so necessary, doesn't require everybody but a critical mass. What that critical mass is, I must confess, I do not know. But with that critical mass of consciousness and understanding, a time, space, motion. In fact, we even agree with science. They also, in theoretical physics, claim that the idea of time, space, and motion is but an illusion. But they have a little difficulty in practical physics. What are you going to do? It doesn't work. It still means to travel, for me to travel from here to London is going to take me 11 hours. Whereas, if the limitation of time, space, and motion does not apply, I can be there within a moment. Why? Because the space that seems to be occupied 
from London to Los Angeles is really an illusion. That distance is an illusion. In fact, I illusion I can be in London in a minute because it's right here. Now I'm not asking and I'm I'm not even saying I fully comprehend that idea. I don't believe maybe even science fully comprehends the idea. But the minute we begin to inject this kind of consciousness out there into the cosmos and by the same token, re replace, replace, while we may not even understand, but replace the, the concept that time, space, and motion is an inevitable limitation and rather and rather infuse our consciousness with the idea no, no, it's really an illusion. I may not understand how and why it is an illusion, but nevertheless, that illusion is going to disappear for distance, time, motion, meaning requiring a motion of going from Los Angeles to London requires so much time, so much traversing of a, of a distance dimension, and of course, the space. And so here we have an affirmation a time, space, emotion is literally, literally an illusion. And therefore, when God stated to Jacob, this is the land that I shall give to you and to your children. <coughs> Excuse me. What he was referring to and to provide us with the benefit for those of us who are making this effort a concerted effort and I know it must be an effort that requires a great deal of perseverance a great deal of reversal of consciousness to come to this conclusion because we shall ultimately sooner than later benefit from this idea and so what we have in the reading is the support from the light force of God to help us in understanding to help us in, achieve, in achieving a consciousness that will ultimately eliminate the limitations of time, space, and motion and bring us to the realization and on a very practical level, this elimination of this, this awesome chaotic feature, which indeed is one of the basic fundamentals which create the chaos that we live in. So we're, we're headed soon, as Jacob was, as Jacob understood in the removal of time, space, and motion.
Another very, very important section is again, where does Jacob meet Rachel? Where does he meet Rachel? Meets her at the well. Do you remember? The well plays such a significant part in Torah. Why? Well, everybody meets at the well. Moses met his, his, his future wife at the well. Jacob meets his future wife at the well. Isaac's wife was met at the well. Abraham had disputes over the well. Is it that important that we know where he meets her? It's almost like, like a Pisces would say, uh, being told that, did you hear? The president met his wife yesterday in Maryland on the street corner. They bumped into each other. And the Pisces says, oh, by the way, what street was it? I'm just giving you a break. Do I have to know where they met? Just interesting that they met and didn't know each other's each other was there or going to be there. That's interesting. But I mean, now you're asking me, where, what street was it? Give me a break. Who needs that? Same thing here. I have to know they met her really well. But as we have already revealed from the Zohar, the well is referred to accessing, tapping into this aspect known as anti-matter. If you're not familiar with anti-matter, this certainly is not going to be a discourse on anti-matter. I urge you to pursue this matter of anti-matter because, because this is the key to man's survival. As you know, Center is working on so many fronts to improve the quality of life, not only in Los Angeles, but around the entire world, not only employing people within the centers, but rather including science, heads of government, heads of large corporations, to bring them all together to an understanding about the importance of releasing a greater quantity of antimatter into this universe. And we are, we are successful, but certainly not enough. We still live in a polluted, completely polluted environment. Without going into the details, but when, when you sit where I'm sitting from, reading daily reports from all around the world, you begin to understand that, man, we do indeed live in a universe today that is not fit for living. So we have this opportunity to tap into and reveal more of this anti-matter by virtue of this aspect known as the well. Known as the well. And then we have what I think is probably the most significant part of uh, 
of this section. And that is the marriage of, not that the marriage was that important, but we do have the marriage of Jacob with the uh, two sisters known as Leah and Rachel, and they have children. <coughs> they have children. And he decides, Jacob decides, it's time to leave. Time to leave. And so there's a whole story which, you know, it sounds so so preposterous that Torah would, would be spending this much ink on, on such a doctrine which the world reveres, but yet What's the doctrine about? What's this writing about? Well, Jacob wants to leave. After all, some of the enormous wealth that has been gathered by him and his father-in-law is now they've got to split. They've got to split the wealth. The wealth is predominantly made up of cattle. It goes on to say that Jacob told Laban, I'll tell you what, speckled, circled animals, cows, sheep, goats, are usually not in abundance. Rather, most animals are born without spots, circles, except, of course, the zebra. That's what the zebra is all about. But I'm talking about cattle. Usually without speckles, without a, um, uh, circles around, uh, around their body. And so he says, I'll take the speckled ones, I'll take the circled ones, etc. And I'll leave everything else of the new cattle that's born. Everything else belongs to you. So what did Jacob do? Came upon a brilliant idea. That when the, when the animals cohabitated, he placed before them branches that he had uh, created had uh, taken off the the uh, the bark from these. Uh, you imagine, look what we're talking about. Taking off the the uh, bark of these branches. When you say it's taking them off, meaning creating picture a picture of circles, of speckles, and so on. And when they cohabitated, placed it before them. So that when they gave birth, amazingly, all of these female animals gave birth to speckled and circled animals. Oh. And so that was the way he left with such riches.
because they were so wealthy to begin with. So he was a nice guy. He left everything to Laban. But, but, can you imagine a cow having three, three or two, I mean, this enormous wealth. How? By this brilliant idea of peeling off a bark and that way, and that way, walking away with, with a great deal of wealth and riches. Is this interesting? Based on this story alone, could there be any semblance of significance? I mean, could we live without it? The answer probably is yes. So why would Torah find it so important that we be told about this story? The answer, my friends, is so profound that Rabbi Ashlag, the founder of the Senate, 80 years ago for the newcomers to this site, wrote a a series of, of volumes on a work which is known as the study of the ten luminous emanations, where this, these voluminous volumes discuss those Hebrew terms, nakud, akudim. And Uvrudim. My friends, this is the secret again here of the beginning of creation. It's just a couple of words. And it therefore required Rabbi Ashlach's voluminous work to begin to comprehend. The, the entire processes of creation, which we can be privy to. Sure, sure it requires a great deal of study, but you can't become a physicist with a couple of hours of instruction. So, and now we're, we're, we're going far beyond the laws of physics or the area of physics covered. It doesn't cover everything, it covers physics. Does it cover medicine? Does it cover astronomy? Does it cover the biology? Does it cover zoology? And I can go on and on and on. But here we have this awesome opportunity. Awesome opportunity to tap into the comprehensive knowledge of creation at all that it entails all of knowledge on how this world and everything within it, all existence, came about. You realize to be privy to that information, while maybe our conscious mind 
the rational mind certainly could not comprehend all of it, but never underestimate the 99% of the real us, and that is the real subconscious mind. Rational mind takes care of 1%. We are told by psychiatrists, by, by psychologists, that we make use of maybe 3 4% of our potential mind. Where's the rest of it? And this gives us that opportunity to begin to expand because this knowledge becomes embedded. Even though we do not comprehend, even though we do not experience on a physical level the full dimensions of what? Creation, enveloped, entailed, included. And here we have this singular point in time where we capture all of this information. It's all there. How do you reveal it? How do I reveal my full potential? That is exactly the study of Kabbalah. That is primarily the purpose and goal of the center, to improve our lives. How can we improve our lives? By creating a fuller awareness of what's going on in this world. Raising our consciousness to a point where we begin to see things as they are and not be misled by the illusionary corruption a misrepresentation that is so rampant in our lives. Shabbat shalom to all of you.